Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast today is sponsored by Desiree and Elad Dror in celebration of the birth of their daughter, Mika Rachel Dror, Michael Rachel Bat Dina. Wow, fantastic news. <coughs> Breakfast is also sponsored in loving memory of Faisola Nasim Elia Shalom, Linu Nishbat Simchabat Sarah Verifael Elia Shalom, sponsored by his son Philip Nasimi. Cold Brew is sponsored in loving memory of Lili Nishmat Mordechai Ben Rivka Alev Shalom, sponsored as Sammy said earlier by Mr. Anonymous. Dun 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 Okay, Rabbi Tzadik, there's an amazing pasuk this week's parasha. We read it this morning, where uh, Abraham is descending down to Egypt, and he says the following words. He says, "Hine naya dati, behold." Now I know that Eshet Isha Yifatuar that you were someone who was very very beautiful. Now I want to point out this is a fascinating thing. Every time you find the word Hine, the word Behold means right, you can imagine if you ever heard it in a Shakespearean play, what would what, what would Behold indicate? That you're noticing something for the first time. Behold, right? So what does behold mean? It's something that was different from before. In fact, we find this exact expression when Yaakov wakes up in the morning after the wedding. It's first light. He looks and who is it? And behold, it was Leah. So the word behold always indicates something that you're noticing now for the first time. I want to read you the words of Rashi. Midrash Agada, Ad Akshav, until now, Loi Kirba, he did not recognize that she was this beautiful woman. He never noticed that his wife was beautiful. Because of the modesty that was between both of them. And now he saw her, he recognized her because of this story. So what does this mean, this story, because of this ma'aseh? Now he realized it. If he didn't notice it before, why did he realize it now? What's going on over here? What ma'aseh are we referring to? Uh, that is question number one. Question number two is a gemara in Masechet Kiddushin. The gemara Masechet Kiddushin, daf mem bet, if I'm not mistaken, tells us a person is not allowed to be mekadesh or to marry his wife until he sees her. Now that must sound wild to us. Why would someone uh, marry a woman or be Mikadesh a woman without seeing her, without having noticed who she was? Who would ever do such a thing? In fact, for a majority of the history of the world, they had a little bit of a different understanding and view towards marriage. So someone would go, on behalf of this young man, they'd go to a village, they'd interview the women, they'd find someone that was appropriate, someone that had all the qualities that the person was looking for, and then they would, in order to seal the deal, so that no one else would be able to get to her, they would give her a ring. They would be Mekadesh al Shaliach. It was very, very common. Okay? Now, if that's the case, says the, says the, the, the uh, Mishnah, even though that was the case, it's asur to be mekadesh until you see her, until you lay eyes. Why? Maybe I'm not attracted to her. And then, you know, you have all sorts of problems and there's no physical attraction. Then there's no connection. If there's no connection, God forbid, there's a lack of faithfulness between the partners, etc., etc. Asur adam shikadesh ad So how could it be that Abraham did not recognize, did not see, didn't, hadn't seen her, right? It's asur. Question number two. The answer is uh, communicated to us cryptically through a midrash. 
And the lesson is magnificent. The Midrash says that as they were traveling, he'd never looked in the, at Sarah, he'd never looked at Sarah until he saw her image, a reflection in a puddle of a pool of water. So they were traveling. He's by mistake looking out the window, something like this. He sees a reflection. And Abraham says, now I know. Behold, now I know. The point here, Rabotai, is, is not that Abraham had never seen Sarah. He doesn't say, behold, I've never seen you. He says, behold, I've never realized that you were eshet yifat mar'e'at, that you were so beautiful. This is the Gemara that tells us a fascinating story. There was, a, there was a Kohen whose name was Rabbi Shimon. He was one of the Tanaim. And he said, In all of my days, I have never eaten from the Korban of a Nazir. Why? Because I doubted their, the reasons why they were doing the Korban. I didn't know if it was appropriate, etc., etc. Until this guy comes from the Darom, from the south. Right? And... And he comes to me and he tells me that he's a Nazir. And this Korban, Shimonat Sadiq ate from. Why did he eat from his Korban? So he asks him, why is it that you became a Nazir? Listen to this. The guy says, he's got long black curls flowing down from his head. Right? He's got the black curls falling on his, you know, Trestles, I think they, I think they call them. All right. He says, "What's going on?" He says, "I'll tell you the truth. I was uh, out with, you know, the shepherding the sheep or whatever. I came to the river to uh, to give them to drink. I looked in the river. I saw my beautiful hair, you know. And I said to myself, you know, you are one look good looking man. You could have anyone you want. And I started to think in my mind. I thought some thoughts that maybe that weren't appropriate about." What I could do with my beauty. What, you know, what kind of woman or which woman I could get with the fact that I was so beautiful. Immediately I decided I was going to become a Nazir, grow my hair out and then cut it off. That's what happens at the end of the Nazir. Shimon HaTzadik hears this. He says, I understood that this person's intention with Nazir was L'Shem Shamaim. From his Korban I ate. Interestingly enough, the parallel here and here is the same. In both cases, they noticed their beauty in a reflection in the water. What's going on? Rabutai, you want to know why Abraham never noticed his wife's beauty? The answer is, of course he noticed his wife's beauty. Of course he saw his wife before he married her, and after they were married. Of course, of course, of course. What Abraham did not recognize is he didn't see Sarah in a two-dimensional way. Every time he looked at his wife, what did he see? He saw Tzadikit. He saw someone who was a very special person, who was very kind, who prayed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who had the best values in the world, who was, would welcome anyone into the tent at any time and give them what they needed to eat, running literally a hostel of Chesed, of Hachnasat uh, Orchim. That's what he saw when he saw his wife. He never could imagine, looking at his wife, that someone else would see her as an object of desire. You're thinking about the Rebetzin. What are you talking about? How could it this be? He saw her, not the face of his wife. He saw her nishama. And seeing Sarai Menu's 3D in three dimensions 
It was never something that ever came across his mind that that would be the way that she would be viewed. But suddenly, as he's traveling to a place which is steeped in immorality, he's still looking at his wife, no problem. No one's going to do anything untoward. This is a sadeket. This I'm sure everybody... Finally, he sees not her, but a reflection of her. In the reflection, there's no neshama. In the reflection, there's no ma'asim tovim. In the reflection, there's no mitzvot. What is there? There's only literally skin deep. It's physical. You stick your finger into the reflection, and the reflection dissipates. It's the tiniest, thinnest level of appreciation. In both instances, the person looking at their reflection sees only the outermost layer of the person's self. So once, for the first time ever, Abraham saw his wife, perhaps as someone who was foreign might see her, someone who did not know her insides might see her. And he became terrified for her safety in the hands of the immoral Egyptians of the time. Rabotai, I learned from here a tremendous lesson. Number one, of course, the idea of that beauty is in the eyes of the beholder but really, you know, that beauty that vanity is nothingness it disappears as a person gets older, it disappears for a lot of different reasons, you know really the value in someone is not just their looks, that's the obvious message but I think that this is not a message which is limited to someone who's a woman the concept of an external value dictating the way you would treat or look at somebody is I think perhaps the biggest challenge of the day that we live in today you know today um, there is roughly a little bit more or, or maybe just shy of one third of the entire population on earth that can be found where? on social media Facebook passed Two billion people on its on its uh, accounts. Two billion, billion B. I want to make sure you hear that as well on the recording. Billion. There's seven billion people in the world. Two billion of them are on Facebook. How come there's not more? Because billions of people don't have internet access. Okay. So that means that the order of the day is a skin deep, image perfection, you know, obsessed world. 25 pictures until you get the right one and show that one to the world. That's the world that we live in today. Avraham, we learned from him, he had what we know, Sarah is one of the most, if not the most, beautiful women on earth. Our rabbis tell us that next to Sarah, other women looked like they were another species. Never mind that they were less beautiful. It's unbelievable. She was so beautiful that he can't go into a country without someone trying to abduct his wife. He needs to hide her in a suitcase because if he goes in, he walks into Misraim, he walks into the Pilishtim with his wife exposed to the sunlight, you know, they're going to steal her. Maybe this is the first idea of a vampire. I don't know. Either way, point is, this is how beautiful she is. And a woman of that beauty, Abraham never even noticed it. Because what was he looking at? He was looking at the nishama. Rabotai, beauty can be something which is physical attractiveness. It can be uh, uh, money. It can be talents. It can be humor. Power. All of these things though, they are the outermost layer of a human being's self. 
So the people that we let into our lives, are we letting them into our lives for our sake or for their sake? When you're letting someone into your life for your sake, you want to take the thing that they have, and that can be very, very shallow. So as an example, I want their beauty to satisfy my desires. I need their money or their power to satisfy my aims or my goals for myself. I'm trying to take something. Actually, in that scenario, you don't have that person in your life at all. You have a reflection of them in your life. A person who marries someone who's beautiful or wealthy or powerful, really, they're they're married to, they're engaging with a hologram. If the friends that you have are fair-weather friends, then you're engaging with them, or conversely, they're engaging with you, but not with the actual you. We learn from this one moment, this snapshot of Avraham and his wife, to look deeper into the people that we love, that we associate ourselves with, that we hang out with. Because ultimately, over time, what gets revealed is not that outermost layer, but over time, as people open up, the inner layers come to life. And they start to affect us in ways that hopefully are, are, are positive. Rabotai, I just will end with this one thought. <clears throat> Sarai Menu is beloved by Abraham and appreciated by him. There are two people who take Sarai Menu into their lives based only on our looks. One is Paro and one is Avimelech. In both scenarios, the person that engages with someone on their outermost layer, by definition, gets hurt. Again, by definition, gets hurt. So what that means is, Paro gets, he has a terrible problem. Avimelech, terrible. Each one of them is struck with diseases, with problems. People come to me all the time for shiduchim. And they say, Rabbi, uh, you know any nice girls? You know any nice guys, Rabbi? Yeah, Ohad is asking. But you know what? That goes out on the recording to like over a thousand people, Ohad. So Ohad Fisherman, I'll give you his uh, details later if you want. See, this is why you have to come to the breakfast class in the synagogue. All right, either way. Yeah, so, you know, guys come to me all the time. Girls come to me. Do you, do you know anyone? Or even better from the parents, do you know anyone? I saw someone this by the Kiddush this week. You know, our, the Safra Kiddush on Shabbat is packed with young people, like so many young people, maybe that there's not anything like it in the city. So I see a guy standing there with his daughter, and they're away, you know, it's very full, so they're standing away from the crush by the stairwell, you know, to go downstairs. So uh, I said, why, what are you standing out? Why are you standing so far away? So I look at him, I see him standing with his daughter, he says, oh, uh, he says, he goes, oh, we're just, uh, we're just, uh, you know, observing. I said, how old is your daughter? He says, 21. I said, you're not observing, you're hunting. Hashem should bless you with what you're looking for. Okay? But people come up and they'll ask you this question all the time. You know, can you have someone, you think of someone for me? And I'll ask them invariably, you know, what are you looking for? I know if the person's serious by the order in which they state their priorities. Look. I love this one. Yeah? I love this one. Rabbi, I don't need a supermodel. You need supermodel. And do you know what I want to tell you know what you know what I always want to tell the guy who tells me I don't I'm not looking for a supermodel. You know what I want to tell that guy? 
You know what I want to tell the guy? I want to tell him to learn the other lesson. How that should look in a mirror. <laughs> Have you seen yourself lately? Like, where, uh, which planet are you from that that's the way you needed to start? Like, as if that was my first thought, I was thinking to myself, this guy needs a supermodel. Oh, you don't need a baruch, what a hidush. Right? It's not how... Yeah, you, know. you have a supermodel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a, I don't think you know many supermodels. It's Madison Avenue. We have cameras. I can tell William to go through the footage. You know, he can find someone. Right? But the guy, the guy, that's how he starts. You know, I don't know if I need a supermodel. That means that the first thought on his mind, the one thing he's trying to communicate to me actually is, but she, needs to be ve- but she needs to be very beautiful. That's the first thing you said? He, I don't know if you heard, uh, ladies, what Ohad said just now. He said, Rabbi, do you have a sarah for me? <laughs> a person who asks for sarah, he didn't ask for a supermodel, he asked for one of the imahot. You know, if someone says, I'm looking for someone, I'm looking for someone, but he didn't, call, he didn't say that about it. You see, it's not a problem for someone to be beautiful. It's not a problem for someone to be wealthy. It's not a problem for someone. The Vilnaga on says the most beautiful idea ever. He says the Pasuk says, You know, grace is, is, is falsehood. And beauty is nothingness. The woman who has fear of heaven, she is someone who is to be praised. Says the Vilnaga on. Hand, grace, personality, zero. Yofi, beauty, Zero. Isha'irata Munai, if she has fear of heaven, she has a moral accomplish a good person, that's a one. But if you have a one and you add a zero after it, what do you got? That makes a ten. She's got both of the zeros, she's a hundred. Okay? It's not that it's nothing. It's nothing by itself. And you know how I like to say it. You know why it's Shekahen the Hevel Ayofi? Because the guy asked for it first. If it would be Isha'irat Hashem, and then Hevel, and then you, and then Yofi, and then Hen, then it would be something. But because they asked for, in the beginning of the Pasuk, there's zeros. Zero, zero, one, you're still left with a one. You understand? If you asked for beauty, and then you asked for personality, and you happened to get moral, what'd you wind up with? You wound up with a one. Because for you, in your eyes, that was the last priority. Is that clear? So Hashem should bless us always, but not just in dating, in everything that we do in our lives. Because you know what? I love to ask people this question. You are a very, you know, today we had a word thrown out in the Beta Kneset. He likes to throw it out a lot. Jet set. I like to ask people. Your jet set? MashaAllah. Your jet set, I like to ask. How many friends do you have in your innermost circle of friends who are not like you. Because technically, that should not be at all the definition of someone. So if a guy who's jet set has friends who can barely make rent, and I don't mean friendly, and I don't mean the guy has pity on him, but in his innermost circle of friends, there's a guy, because ostensibly, that should be a re- part of the reality. So if amongst the people you're dating, you dated a supermodel, and there was someone who's got a great job, but you also dated someone doesn't have such a great job, or maybe doesn't look the best, but is the most wonderful person ever, would be the best mother to your children, would be the best partner for your whole life. At the end of the day, when you're 60 years old, and 70 years old, and 80 years old, and 90 years old, is that's not going to be the thing that's going to that's going to keep you warm at night, Rabotai. Okay, it's going to be whether someone has someone that they want to be, they want to share a house, a room, uh, a room with. 
You know, someone that's pleasant, that knows, has, can make conversation, that has a brain, that challenges you, that inspires you, that makes you feel like you want to be better than the self that you are that day. Okay? Rabotai, if that's, if, if I ask people in your circle of close friends, are there people who are nothing like you? If a rabbi doesn't have in his circle of close friends people who are not religious, I don't think he's a real rabbi. If a person who's not religious at all doesn't have in his circle of friends someone who's much more religious than them, then, then that's a person who's picking their relationships and friendships based on a very shallow thing. Because you could have a religious guy who's the best guy in the world, you could have a religious guy who's the worst guy in the world. It's not about those external names, labels of uh, you know, added value. It's about the deepest essence of what the person is. Where is his compass? Where is his heart? Where is his head? Where, you know, where are their values? Where are their dreams? Where are their ideals? Um, may Hashem bless us always to be able to have clarity of sight, uh, to be able to see deep into a person as opposed to, uh, what's it called? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai said a person has two eyes. You know what two eyes gives a person? Depth perception. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Chananya ben HaKashah Omer. Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Huzot Zer. Lefikach Yibalem Torah Mitzvot Shnei Amar. Adonai Fetz Amar.